Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Luke. We are in the 13th chapter at the 18th verse. Let us listen for God's word. Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? And to what should I compare it? It is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made their nests in its branches. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we gather this morning in need of a word of hope, in need of rest for our souls, in need of comfort from the suffering that we have seen. We need your healing spirit. We ask that by your word, your presence may be known and our hearts may be comforted and lifted and challenged. For you love us, and of that we are sure. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Surely Jesus was a naturalist. Can you hear me better this way? I'm going to turn my body mic on and I want you to see what is better. This is better? Okay, so we're going to stick with this and we're going to try again. Surely Jesus was a naturalist. He grew up among farmers. He grew up among vineyards and shepherds and vine dressers. Jesus knew how plants grow in different kinds of soil. He spoke of the wheat and the weeds. He took his lessons from the grapevine and the fig tree. He spoke of ravens and foxes and hens and sheep. Jesus saw God in the natural world. And he taught his disciples to see God there as well. Look at the lilies of the valley. Look at the sparrows, the mustard seed. See the beauty, the abundance, the mystery of growth, steady and strong. George Washington Carver is said to have written, I love to think that nature is an unlimited broadcast station through which God speaks to us every hour. If you have driven down Western Avenue with all of the trees in bloom, you will hear God's love song singing to us of beauty and love and awe. Surely, the heavens and the earth are telling the glory of God. 
But the broadcast station is also sounding alarms. The glaciers weep as they melt into the ocean. The coral reefs are dying. We listen to Sandy's rage as it took away all of those homes in New Jersey and the storm surge filled the subways in Manhattan. And then we hear about greenhouse gases and food shortages and the possibility of pandemics and extinctions. And it is hard to listen. It is hard to hear that the sea level has already risen a foot and that if we don't do something, it will rise another two feet by the end of the century. We don't want to think about the storms our children will face. And then this week, we have experienced so much destruction, so much suffering. The images of those runners from the Boston Marathon. And to think of that boy and those boys. And the pain that they have caused and the explosion in West Texas, and those lives lost, and an earthquake in China, and the death of gun control legislation. Somehow, Jesus' talk of lilies and mustard seeds seems foolish. It seems utterly ridiculous when we consider the response that is called from us in the face of evil, a mustard seed or lily, sounds like ludicrous naivete in the face of evil. And surely we are not the only ones to think this. We are in good company. In Jesus' time, I am sure that there were those who thought the same. For this story of the mustard seed was a story that circulated in the early church and communities. And these would have been people in the shadow of the Roman Empire. What is a mustard seed when you are hungry and your children are hungry and everyone you know is hungry? And what is a mustard seed when you are wealthy and everyone you know is wealthy and everyone who is wealthy is afraid of those masses of people who are poor and hungry? And what is a mustard seed when you are surrounded by an occupying army that is violent, so violent as to execute a troublemaker like Jesus. And what is a mustard seed when you are this tiny minority religion despised by all of your neighbors? Well, Jesus was a naturalist. Jesus was the presence of God and is the presence of God that God planted in the soil. 
the soil of our humanity, the soil of our hope, the soil of our dreams, the soil even of our suffering. What is a mustard seed? A mustard seed is everything because it is hope. A mustard seed is hope for God's life that grows as insignificant as it is, as tiny and as meaningless as a mustard seed, so grows the kingdom of God into a tree with birds that nest in its branches, which is a sign of healing and restoration and wholeness. What is a mustard seed? It is life and hope and courage. In God's kingdom, that mustard seed, the hungry eat, the poor have enough, the rich are no longer afraid because they are one. Slaves are free, women and men are treated as equals. The kingdom of God is like planting that mustard seed. It is like the yeast that changes the whole environment. God's people, Jesus' little people, a flawed and insignificant little group, because the kingdom was in their midst, they believed. They believed in a different way. They held fast to different values of the Roman Empire. They took away violence and replaced that for nonviolence. For the extremes of poverty and wealth, they came together and shared all things in common. They ate together at the same table. Those who would not have sat next to each other or looked at one another on the street shared bread. They protected one another. When travelers along the way of God, along the way of Jesus, came from town to town, the early church became a kind of underground railroad for those under the radar of the Roman Empire. This was the mustard seed. They lived in hope. They practiced different practices. They had a different alternative community where people were welcomed and protected as strangers regardless of their economic status or gender or ethnicity. They lived in hope, hope of a future for their children and a world made whole and at peace. That mustard seed God planted in Jesus and which rose to begin to grow in that community of disciples through the centuries has nursed people through plagues when no one else would. It has stood by victims of war and disaster. The Christian community has sheltered children and freed slaves. Our hope, the hope for something better, 
has spread across communities and into hearts and marched and won civil rights. It has believed in education and planted schools and universities all over the world, sheltered refugees, and continued to give hope. When we follow the ways of God, when we obey God's commandments, when we walk in the way of Jesus and in the ways of love, we are being the living Christ, evidence and witness of God's kingdom in our midst. We are the resurrection. We are hope. God is broadcasting through nature new choices, alternative choices from the culture in which we live. Nature is broadcasting to us to consume less, to cut carbon emissions, to take shorter showers, to advocate for policy changes, to reduce hydrofluorocarbons. We can make changes. We need big changes, but even big changes start out small. In those seemingly insignificant acts that when planted in the kingdom of God become great movements. If you were growing up in the 70s or 80s, you remember aerosol spray cans and how when the scientists began to tell us that CFCs were destroying the ozone layer, layer people, not governments, not nations, not treaties, not protocols, people <coughs> stopped using them. It became extraordinarily unpopular to use a spray can. If you used hairspray as a teenager back at those times, you had to give it up and switch to those pump sprays that just basically glob it on to your hair. But we did it. We did it. And the nations followed. And the policy followed. And the protocol followed. Such that today the ozone is healing. And the emissions from CFCs are nearly 100% gone. We did it. The mustard seed grew into a tree. And now the challenge is, of course, our, the carbon dioxide, but also these super pollutants, the short-lived climate pollutants. Have you heard of these? Oh, some of you have. These are the things that have been identified as those super pollutants that even though they make up a tiny fraction of all of the greenhouse gases, they are so potent that if we just concentrate on them, we can slow global warming by half in the next 50 years. 
We can slow it down. We cannot stop it completely. We must make adjustments. We must come up with new technologies. We must change the way we live. But we can buy ourselves and our planets and our poor time. These hydrochloral hydrofluoral carbons or that thing, those stuff in car air conditioners and in refrigeration systems. And it's begun to catch on that we can't use these anymore. The carbon from cook stoves in developing nations has to go. How can we help people in developing nations one idea is to buy the clean, burning cook stove. When we were in Kenya, we were in kitchens, indoor kitchens, where the smoke was so thick, you could see light streaming in through the little holes in the corrugated metal roof. The smoke in the house was that thick. Combating the soot, from those stoves and from fire burning and from diesel fuel and the hydrofluorocarbons and methane can change our environment so much and can contribute to the health of so many people. And we can do it. Now is the time we can come together and make the little changes in our daily lives of what we eat and what we buy, how long we take a shower, these things, the Earth Stewards gives us these tips every week. Today in your bulletin is a list with the little boxes next to it to check one. To check one or more seemingly insignificant actions seemingly insignificant acts of faith, knowing that when a fly lands on a steel beam, the beam bends. As you check one action to take, then reach in your pocket or in your change purse and take out a penny. As we hear the litany of commitment, hold that penny in your hand and decide what action you will take. And when we take the offering, put your promise in the plate as your commitment to God to change our planet. We have reason to hope. God loves this world. God made heaven and earth in joy and in love for life and beauty. This is why we exist. Because God loves 
love and life and beauty and joy. This is why Christ came. It is why God planted the seeds for a new community of wholeness and justice and to live for peace. Jesus taught us to see God in nature. Jesus taught his disciples to see God's spirit at work in giving a cup of cool water to one of God's little ones, to share a mere crumb of bread or morsel of fish, to plant a seed. Little by little, God is healing creation. Little by little, we join with God. Christ is alive. The kingdom is in our midst. Let us act on our hope. Let us act on our faith. Let us trust the mustard seed. Amen.